Hi everyone and welcome to Dead to Rights, the podcast video for readers, writers, and the crime genre industry. I'm your host, Donna Carrick. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be visiting with Caro Souls, who is the author of the cross-genre Mercurian mystery series. And uh, this is something that's quite different, quite unique. Again, her name is Caro Souls, so please look her up. But before we get to her, I've promised to do a quick uh, um, announcement about our upcoming anthology, which is titled A Grave Diagnosis. And we are actively calling for submissions at this time. So if you've got a short story that you think would qualify for our anthology, please send it over to me at carrickpublishing at rogers.com. And in the subject line, be sure to say A Grave Diagnosis Story Submission. You'll find these submission guidelines at our website, www.carrickpublishing.com. Um, I can tell you right now that the story length should be between 1,500 and 8,000 words, not to exceed 8,000, and uh, that there must be a clear and present crime in the story, um, as well as an illness that plays a factor in the crime, either in the crime or in the solution somehow. So please do that. Again, that's uh, Publishing at rogers.com for the story submission. And say that Donna sends you. Um, I'll look forward to reading what you send. Try and come up with some clever ideas. Um, and now I bring you this public service announcement related to COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, which has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after initial exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come in contact with or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult a physician. Clean and disinfect any highly touched surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Thank you. And now, without further time lost, here's Caro Souls. Good morning, Caro, and welcome Good to Dead Rights. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So getting to what we were talking about yesterday, I know that you've submitted a story called Waiting in the Wings for the Grave Diagnosis Anthology that's coming out in the fall. And I want to thank you for that. It's a wonderful story and it features Marlo, who is in your new novel, Marlo's Dance. And uh, Marlo's Dance, I believe, comes out in May. Is that right? Uh, yes, I wrote it down this time. It's May 19th. <laughs> May 19th. Wonderful. Okay, See, you had lots more I'll... time to prepare. <laughs> yes, so this is good. So tell us a bit about Marlo without giving away too much of your short story. Your short story is wonderful, and um, but I want to just hear about the character himself, Marlo. Well, um, as you know, the story is set in the world of the Mercurians, who are a very, so I always call them the pleasure-loving hermaphrodites of Mercurians, they're very emotional people. And uh, in this story, Marlo is an investigator with the Cap City Regulators. This is the capital city. And uh, he's an older character. He's older than ones in the other books, which I've written up, set in this world. And 
what I wanted to do with him was, um, it, it, it's basically a police procedural. He, uh, something bad happens, there is a body, somebody dies far too young for this, this world. And uh, they call him in because they figure something's gone wrong. And uh, so the, the character himself, I, uh, I was, when I was thinking about the character for the books, because he has, he has, he's featured in several books as well. And I was thinking of a sort of a noir detective, only not, you know, I mean, he does walk alone. He doesn't have any siblings. He has few close friends. Um, and he, um, he has this sort of high moral code, which is, mm -hmm. is a problem in his line of work periodically. Mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, he's going to be, he's not going to have the edge that the actual noir people do. So that was the, the interesting thing to me is that how would this work in a world of these um, emotional, theatrical, the arts loving uh, Mercurians? So um, Marlowe himself doesn't come out in the short story, but he loves to sing. And okay. he, he sings in a, and he has a choral group that he sings with and has a lovely time with that and gets all emotional while he's singing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's sort of his one thing. And he likes them because they don't talk about their own work or anything else. All they do is talk about their singing. It's sort mm -hmm. of like going to a book club. You don't really know much about these people. You just talk about the books all the time. Exactly. So if you're an accountant, you don't have to go there and talk about accounting. <laughs> no, and everybody knows that who he is because periodically these cases get in the news, flashes and everything, but nobody ever asks him anything about it. So there's no problem. And mm -hmm. so, so he likes that. And so this, this was my idea for the character. And uh, he uh, he has a, a lot of these these people who live on Mercury, and they're, they're as I say, they they really love their sensual pleasures, and they tend to overdo it with drugs and all that sort of thing. They'll go. He doesn't really, but he overdoes it with food. He just loves food. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I can relate to this character. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. He would do well in isolation. <laughs> oh well, he'd have a lovely time. Yes, he doesn't particularly like to to, to cook, but he just loves. You know, well, he's a very likable character. I really enjoyed him very much. And uh, I do see him as a traditional noir detective in many ways, even though he lacks that that uh, really aggressive, violent edge, because being Mercurian, he can't have that. But yeah. um, he still is very much a traditional noir character in that he moves through the scenes and the crimes with that uh, microscopic feel where he's just taking it all in you know and uh yeah. you, you really are drawn to him you like him very much when you read him oh good i'm so glad to hear that yes he's he's the real observer and he takes in you know these these things uh, so play. tell us about marlo's dance a little bit which is coming out may 19th we know yes <laughs> well marlo's dance i don't know if you can see the cover back here i love you? your backdrop by the way everybody oh thank you Pay attention to the wonderful backdrop. And there is Marlowe's Dance, uh, just yeah. off to the left of your screen. Yes, that's the one. And um, well, this is the first of the Mercurian books that Marlowe appears. And this one is technically a police procedural. It's all from his point of view, whereas all the others are not. There's shifting points of view. And um, he is basically, he does, there is a, uh, a horrible crime in the beginning. 
and uh, Marlo is going to see his nephew, niece, whatever English word would be, there isn't one, um, who is in a competition, a dance competition. He's, he's quite young. Mm -hmm. And the, the dancer, the young dancer who's favored to win this great competition is found dead, all mangled up in a piece of the set, a large piece that they were going to use for the final, the finale. So this is great shock to everybody, especially since the young dancer comes from a very well-known family. And uh, so Marlo has a great deal of pressure on him to get this wound up as quickly and without too much commotion, which mm -hmm. of course he doesn't do because you can't do that sort of thing. <laughs> so that's, um, you know, he goes doggedly down what he thinks is the right path and keeps getting mixed up in things which are not the right path, but you know, that's the way it goes. He does eventually mm -hmm. figure it out. So that's that's really what that what that book is is about. It's it's an actual murder mystery. His it's name, so uh, his name is is um, Marlo Dashabogardini, and the name is of course Marlo from the noir character. Only mm -hmm. they don't have W's in, in Mercurian, so we don't have to worry about that. And Dasha was for Dashiell Hammett, and okay. Bogard Bogardini was for Bogard Humphrey Bogard. So I figured I got. <laughs> Of course. So you have them. You have them both in mind. When that, you're was, that was just for and me. That you know? true, Carl. And this is part of the whole writing process that I'd like to share with, with any viewers is um, that if you have a character in mind, you don't need to browbeat the reader with, by, with these comparisons. You simply have it in your own mind and it will come through. It comes through beautifully in Marlowe. He really does represent those two, those two figures very well. <laughs> well, it was just something for me. I think a lot of writers do this. You put little things, you know, little Easter eggs just for yourself kind of thing. Yes. In these yes. Things. And you, know, you don't expect anybody to get it because it doesn't matter. It's just how it you, doesn't matter, but it know. still does come through in some way. Even if the reader doesn't make the connection, they still have the same feeling of those characters. Um, mm -hmm. What I really hate is when you are reading a really otherwise good book and it introduces a character and it says, much like this other well-known character. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, you just can't be doing that, but you certainly yeah. can draw on those characters in your own mind, you know? Oh, yeah, I suppose yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've got another book coming out in the fall and we almost missed it when we were talking yesterday. So let's talk about it right now. I know I got so into the Merculeans. I totally forgot about this, this wonderful, at least I hope it's a wonderful book, which is coming out completely different. Now, as they say, who was it used to say it now for something completely different? Yes. Um, <laughs> it's called, strangely enough, it's also got dancing in the title. I know people are going to get the idea that I'm a former dancer or something. I'm not if they've actually seen me, but if they didn't know me. Uh, anyway, this is called Dancing with Chairs in the Music House. And it's historical, actually, because it takes place in 1949, which seems to be, I always think it's odd talking about a historical, which is in one's own lifetime, but nevertheless. Um, it's from the point of view of a 10-year-old girl. And uh, she and her mother, her family, they've fallen on really bad times. They were, you know, quite well off. Anyway, they are now forced to move into two rooms in this rather genteel rooming house at 519 Jarvis Street, which is quite the big mansion. But they only get two rooms of it. 
And because she has a serious eye problem, she doesn't go to school. So she spends a lot of time alone and wanders around this big house, listening at doors and looking through windows and generally just checking in on things to see what's going on and trying to interpret what she sees, which of course she doesn't do very well. And eventually she sees something quite horrific, not understanding what it is. And uh, she also meets the, the mother and son who move upstairs into the, into the room on the third floor. And she gets friendly with, with the, young, the young boy who's about her brother's age, her brother's about, about 15 or something. 16. And uh, he asks her to take a note to this mysterious friend of his in at her church. And uh, she thinks this is very exciting. You know, I'm not supposed to tell anybody, and this is very, very great excitement. And of course, that leads to complete tragedy. And uh, it's can't tell you any more than that without giving dancing too much with, away. Dancing with chairs. Dance with chairs in the music house. And that comes out in the fall of this That's year. That's September 15th. Yes. September 15th. We know the exact mm -hmm. date, so watch that. That sounds like a beautiful story, Carl. And I know that when it comes to beautiful stories, you really do have a wonderful touch. I don't say that just to, to blow smoke. Um, anybody who isn't familiar with Carl's work, Carl is all over the map in terms of genre. And um, you've got the Merculians, which are fun, loving, and wonderful, and, and delightful people, but you also can have a little bit darker touch, and um, in our last anthology, in the key of 13, uh, your story title was? Uh, Moonlight Sonata. I think Moonlight it was Sonata. Sonata. I highly recommend anybody read it. It's just got a beautiful, lyrical, wonderful feel to the writing, uh, uh, an excellent command of the language in, in traditional style of writers. And it is a murder mystery. So if you like murder mysteries, you're going to love it. Um, so this is starting to touch me in the same way, just hearing you talk about it, that it's that kind of more lyrical. It prose. is very touching. Yes, it, it's a very mm -hmm. touching story because it's so clear she doesn't understand and, mm -hmm. uh, what's really going on. Well, I'm definitely going to read it, point. and I recommend everybody look for it in September. It's coming out from Inanna uh, Publications, by the way. Inanna Publications, yes. excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And you also have a book coming out, which is another Mercurian mystery, coming out in 2021. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You see, oh, I remember I was listening when we were speaking. I know, that's amazing. <laughs> that one. Uh, we can't really see it behind my structure. Not really. But Can you tell us the title? It doesn't really show that well. It's The Colony Dancers, it's called. The Colony Dancers. The Colony Dancers. And uh, this, The Colony Dancers is a group, of, a dance group of children, a children's dance group, which is just taking the Mercurian world by storm. Everybody thinks they're just wonderful. They come from the colony planet, which is owned by Mercurian, but they don't pay much attention to it. And um, so this group of this children's troop comes to town in chapter one and everybody's just wildly excited and they have this sort of procession in the town etc etc but pretty soon it's clear that there is something very strange about these children and about this group and uh, one of the main dancers in in one of the characters Julio who's in this I think he's in the uh, in the short story then it doesn't matter I don't think I named him because there are too many names there are a lot of Mercurians have three names each, so it gets confusing sometimes. But anyway, 
he goes to congratulate one of them and touches them. And they are touch telepaths, these, these characters. So they can feel emotions from other people, not the thoughts, but the emotions. And uh, he feels great pain coming from this child. And he's quite shocked. And then he discovers that this particular child wants to escape. And would you ask Julio for help? And Julio, being the impetuous sort, always says, absolutely, yes. And uh, it turns out that this child says that he is a sibling of Triani, who's one of the mega stars of the company. Mm -hmm. And not a particularly, you know, loving type. <laughs> so mm -hmm. he's not at all happy to have this suddenly dumped on him because, first of all, he thinks it's a scam. And uh, he doesn't really, so what, what on earth are you talking about? I don't have any relatives, I don't have any family anymore, and, you know. So, and then Marlowe comes into it. And uh, he has had, uh, Marlowe has a great memory for faces. And there's, he has been working on a missing persons, a missing children's case for quite a long time on his own because everybody gave up. It was 15 years ago. So that there's something about the face of one of these children that reminds him of one of these missing kids. So, but there's, you know, it couldn't be. So this, it's that sort of thing. And it goes on and on and on. And eventually you discover more and more and things get darker and darker. I think this is one of the darker ones in the series about about the children and um then eventually marlo has to do some fairly heroic things which he manages with great deal of difficulty and mm -hmm. uh and things turn out relatively all right good good so, uh, yeah. yeah and this, this story puts me in mind of a number of other actual historical stories um it's really it, it's a very captivating concept but very yes, dark yes, so exactly. it, it might be, it might be really for, you know, there might, it might come with a warning label. <laughs> um, well, I don't think that this one isn't that, isn't that way. I mean, okay, that, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the earlier ones are, are fairly dark too, but not in the same way. I don't know. This seems something perhaps because it's actually, these kind of things have actually happened that it seems more worrisome or something. Yes, yes, yes. And you can't give away too much of it, too. What else are you working on right now, Caro? Is there anything else that you're, you're uh, currently working on? Oh, well, I thought I was finished with these poor Mortulians, but apparently I'm not because I'm now about a third of the way through, <laughs> through what I suspect is the last one. And Does it have a title? It's called Marlowe's Painted Garden at the moment because I had this wonderful idea of how his, he has a garden painted on his wall inside. There's a long backstory about that. But anyway, how this garden would be actually hiding a code. But the more okay. I work on this particular story, the less that has to do with the story. So I don't know if that's going to work, but I might have to change the title. But yeah. um, there are other things I wanted to develop the one one of the characters from the colony planet and then discovered I couldn't really do that without giving away too much of the book before. All of these books, by the way, are self, they're standalones. Good, you good. So you can start anywhere, readers. You can start anywhere if you start reading Marlowe. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you can start reading Marlowe and be perfectly fine. I think that's a good place to start because all of the characters are new to Marlowe, too. Mm -hmm. he, doesn't, he, you, uh, he doesn't usually move in this world of big stars and <laughs> and um, First Order Mercurian families and all that sort of thing. So they're all new, so it's kind of fun to get another slant on things. 
So it's really not necessary to pick them up and read them in precise order, which no, is it good. Is. It's really good, especially it's when you've got a full If you do, you'll realize, you'll get more because you'll realize um, what, uh, for instance, in one book, I might say, one of the characters will say, oh, do you ever have nightmare? Do you ever have thoughts about uh, what happened on the Wellington? And the other one say, God, no, it was too awful. I don't even want to talk about it. Which of course that is kind of thing just piques my interest. It just makes yeah. me want to go back and read the other one after. I'm exactly. not concerned about so, order. But you can also see they, they do develop slightly, although some of them don't seem to, but some of them do. And, you know, they mm -hmm. get a little older and do a little So there may be an, over, an overreaching back arc, but not really. it's not necessary not really. to each standalone. No, it's only chronological that's, that's, you know, they do move in time. That's all. Yes, but, yes. At all. Yes. Now, something occurred to me yesterday when we were speaking, and I didn't uh, actually bring it up, but um, a lot of writers, and I'm saying this for our, our new writers who may be listening, a lot of writers draw on a general love of the arts, and I get this really clearly with you, Carlo, that um, even though you're not a dancer, and I asked you yesterday if you'd ever been on stage, and, and the answer was no, but there's an obvious love of the arts in general through all of your work, everything from the painted garden to the dancing, to the singing, to, you know, there's, can you tell us a little bit about how that love of arts just works its way into your, your prose? Yes, well, I, I, I do love, love the arts, and I, I actually have been on stage, but not professionally. Mm -hmm. um, so I did a lot of theater work in my young days in the sort of semi-pro, you know, sort of way that one does at a mm -hmm. certain age. And then, of course, you come to the point where you have to make up your mind. You can't do everything. Yes. So, you know, so I, I dropped it. But I didn't drop my love of going to the theater and supporting the arts. And um, I actually wrote a few plays. I actually wrote a couple of little musicals and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, that musical might be a, a slight exaggeration. But anyway, they, they did that song. And um, so it, it's just always been in my life. And I, when I was growing up, we always went to the theater, we went to the ballet, we went to the, um, and I was introduced to the opera quite early. And it's just always been there and I love it. And it just feeds the soul all the time. Mm -hmm. So it just comes into my work a lot, no matter what, um, what particular. Yes. I'm working on. Well, the reason I picked up on it so much is because Alec and I always had a thing where we love art, like paintings. We absolutely love paintings. Now, our primary focus has always been Canadian artists. I mean, we love them all. Alex, in, in particular, studied um, most of the, the Renaissance artists. And um, whenever we feel, either one of us, a little bit of a creative block, so to speak, we'll make the rounds of the art galleries, or we'll oh, go out really? to the, um, even even to the auctions, um, even though we can't, we have no wall space <laughs> anymore. But, um, I know, I know. Just looking at these artists, and I wanna really emphasize this point for any new writers, um, because the thing I always get is, you know, can you make a living at this? Well, maybe you uh, can and maybe you can't. Um, that can't be the real reason you do it. Yeah. And the artists, when I think about them, how so many of them really only acquired their, their notoriety or their fame, either well into their old age or after their death. Oh, um, yes, exactly. It couldn't stop them from creating beauty, you know? Yeah. And no, thank God for that. You know? No, you don't go into the arts to make money. <laughs> no. no. And if you happen to make money, great. That's wonderful. More if you do, that's great. 
but, I'm yeah. never jealous of anyone who does, but I, no, no, I try to emphasize that point that it's not the reason for what you're doing. And if it is, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. Exactly. You know? yeah. Accounting may be a better bet. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it would be. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Carl. Don't don't hang up the line though, because I want to chat with you after we're done. But I just want to okay. thank you very much, Carl Souls. Watch for Marlowe's Dance to come out May nineteenth. That's oh. the next one coming out. And then after that, we're going to be looking for Carl's story, Waiting in the Wings, in A Grave Diagnosis, which is coming out, I believe, October. And then we have, um, we have, what is the name of the 2021? Dancing Chairs in the Music House. It's a long title. Yes. Dancing with Chairs in the Music House. In September. Dancing with Chairs in the Music House, coming out in 2021. So thank no, you very much. Oh, no, it's oh, not. Yes, yes, yes. Dancing with Chairs in the Music House is coming out September the 15th, this September year. September 15th, excellent, excellent. Yes. So that's one oh, to watch for. And the no. 2021 is the Merculean Dance, is that right? It's the, no, it's not. It, it's the um, the Colony Dancers. We the Colony Dancers, that's right, that's right. Thank you. People remember <laughs> better when you make a mistake. Such, I don't usually <laughs> much coming out at once you know it's just happened for some reason <laughs> well thank you very much for joining us i really appreciate having you here and i appreciate your second uh your second time joining me because of the technical issues yesterday we learn as we go I want to thank Caro for joining us today on Dead to Rights, the podcast. And you can find her Merculean Mystery Series on Amazon, certainly, or at any of your favorite retailers. And uh, her name again is Caro Souls. Please look her up. She does um, some really exceptionally unique storylines and characters. I really like her character development. I want to give a special thanks uh, shout out to Ted Carrick, who provided the theme music for Dead to Rights, titled Eyes of Gold. And uh, I really enjoy bringing that, uh, that song to you. Now, uh, next week, we'll be speaking with Blair Keach, who is a relatively new crime writer on the scene. He is wrapping up his first novel, and uh, he also has a couple of short stories under his belt. And he's a very, very good writer. So be sure to look for him, Blair Keach, and join us next week on Dead to Rights, the podcast video. Free, yet it rots. Let it rot.